This is the Talk About Wellness Podcast with your hosts and Eversight Wellness Practitioners. My name is Courtney Handelin. And I'm Tasha Schultz. Tasha, other than a fun play on words, why tacos? Well, just like a good taco has many different toppings, so does each person's path to wellness. That's right. And both tacos and wellness are customizable for each individual and with each season. And it's totally okay if it doesn't look the same as the next person's taco. Because it shouldn't. That's right. So we are excited to share our wellness knowledge and stories and tips with you in a fun, educational way. So let's taco about wellness. Welcome back to the Taco Boat Wellness Podcast. My name is Courtney Handelin, and I have a special guest with me today, Trevor Husky, a licensed clinical social worker with one of our Everside locations, the Elmbrook School District Health and Wellness Center. And today we are talking about human connection um, and the importance of that. And Trevor, could I pass it over to you? Can you share with our audience a little bit about yourself before we dive in? Sure thing, Courtney. It was really nice to meet you last Friday in person, by the way. Yeah. And right. I've been I've been a social worker for 25 years. I've worked in therapeutic day schools for six years, 17 years as a therapist, and two years providing crisis counseling. And I've also done presentations at public libraries, universities, and mental health agencies. Okay, that's a lot of ex- a lot of education. We're lucky to have you yeah. here to talk about this. Um, and I know since we're talking about connection, I always like to start off with a fun, I guess, icebreaker, you could say, right? And one way that I thought we could do that is share um, our favorite way to connect. So um, I guess I will go first while you're thinking about it, but and, and maybe some of this will circle around back in our conversation. But personally, my favorite way to connect with other people is... Um, maybe it's a setting but being outside in nature i just feel like it helps me to be a better listener um a better observer maybe even more empathetic um i feel like we can just have better conversations and i just i like being in nature in general so um maybe that's just because i feel like at home um which i'm looking forward to discovering some of those reasons perhaps in our conversation but what about you what what is one of your favorite ways to connect with people well that's that's a great answer courtney uh, nature certainly is awesome there's no doubt about it and i'm, I'm going to cheat here a little bit because i couldn't narrow it down to one yeah it's hard. Uh, so uh, i've got three and uh first and foremost is being able to be my authentic self and if i can do that with people that's really a great thing um, the second one is to be able to bond with other human beings, whether it's something as simple as like opening a door for somebody or talking about a fun, unusual, interesting experience or sharing food that I connect or cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and the third one is through play, whether it's joking around or playing frisbee or board games. So the, yeah. those are the three that really do it for me. Wow. I love that. Those are um, all just so fitting and very, very, um, I think re- relatable in, in a sense that like each of those things that you talked about made like made my heart smile a little bit right because you think of how how meaningful sometimes those interactions are as a participant when someone like holds the door for you or just you know has something pleasant to say and you you've never met them before it just it really kind of makes your day so it's nice to know that um there's people out there with the intentions of doing that such as yourself um, so my first question here to kick us off is, I'm um, wondering if you could tell us a little bit about 
um, kind of the basics of human interaction. Okay, of course. And just to warn you, I have a fair amount of stuff to cover with this question. That's so uh, we'll go over a few little categories here. So the first is we are fully integrated creatures, physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. And this is per Dan Siegel's Interpersonal Neurobiology. He's a brilliant clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA, and he's done extensive research and writing about this topic. Social interaction is critical to human beings as we have um, historically survived and thrived as a species by our ability to cooperate first and foremost. This social relatedness is baked into our DNA, so much so that we can ask, where do I end and we begin? And Dan Siegel talks about the me, M-E-W-E, the me, we. Mm -hmm. So uh, very important stuff there. And now, Courtney, actually, before I go forward, I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, so we have two main skills in life, problem solving and social skills. Which one's more important? Oh, boy. Um, I ah. guess I would assume I'm going to say social skills is probably a fair guess, given our topic. Okay. All I know is I don't know. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was really important. It's a trick question. Yeah. And most of the time they're intertwined. Yeah. Because usually when we're problem solving, it's in collaboration with some kind of social skill, and social skills oftentimes have a, a problem solving component to them. One, even like where we go for dinner, you know. Right. So um, it's it's really interesting to think of it in those ways. Yeah. Um, and then we have, so we have three primary aspects of social interaction. We live in social hierarchies, and this is a social framework for ranking in groups. Uh, primates do this, um, and not exclusively, but we certainly, all primates do this. And then within social hierarchies, we have two ways that we interact, um, and that's ranking and linking. Ranking is about one's place in the social hierarchy, which dictates status, power, access to resources. Those at the top have more of those, those at the bottom have less. Um, and this is true whether you're at work and families, friend groups, or even that Thursday night softball league. Okay. Um, linking is more about bonding and sharing and caring and critical to emotional well-being. And we really think of this as reciprocity is, is the primary characteristic of linking. Um, then we have like unhealthy boundaries with these two ranking and linking and say being a supervisor at work and bossing everyone around at home is an example of ranking at home which should be linking more at home and then you have spending the day work day talking to everybody about personal matters to the detriment of your professional duties is usually workplace as a social outlet or even a wannabe therapy session so we have to be careful with those boundaries the third main component is this social, what I call the social triad. We have three different orientations in life. Um, what do I think about myself? What do I think about others? And what do others think about me? Now, not everybody thinks about, well, I have a relationship with myself. And to some people, this is a foreign concept. It's kind of like trying to explain water to a fish sometimes. You know, we're, we're always in it. We're always surrounded and affected by it. But we don't, we're not necessarily thinking about it very much. It's very important. Out. as a therapist I work with people on this a lot and then we have what do I think about others now some people say oh we shouldn't judge other people but we do this all the time so you know that's not just gonna fly in terms of oh I shouldn't judge other people we just don't want to be petty and snarky about it oh my god look at those shoes I would never buy those shoes and things like that you know that that's that's not helpful but who is this person how are they acting what are the implications of their behavior what does that really mean to me is very important. A lot of people make the mistake 
overlooking some pretty obvious red flags about friends or partners or you know business associates um, and other people in their lives and then it ends up being a punishment for them in some way or another you just see this happen a lot unfortunately then the third one is what do others think about me now as a therapist who specializes in anxiety i work with people on this all the time and this is the tough one because people with anxiety tend to focus exclusively on what do other people think about me to the detriment of the other two. Um, yes, we should be conscious and considerate of what other people think about us, but not to the, not to the exclusion of the other two. Um, and people with anxiety tend to, this, to do this to the point where it's basically like what I call pseudo paranoia. And so they're thinking all these negative thoughts about other people thinking thoughts about them. So, but the ironic thing is, who's actually doing the negative thinking there? Right. You know, it's me. I'm doing the negative thinking about all these other people, really, when it comes down to it. So, so we got to be careful about all three of these. We want balance, and that balance um, can give us a lot better perspective in life and be able to lead to a lot more positive social interactions. And lastly, we have to remember that we always want or need something from somebody else every single day. And all of us need to balance what's good for me versus what's good for others. There, I'm finally done. <laughs> no, that was good. You're right. That was a lot. But um, I think I especially liked that last part about like the, the importance of the relationship with yourself, right? We talk so yeah. much about self-care in, in the wellness yeah. and in, in the health and wellness space. And I think a lot of times people like, like either they think that's only for if you have the budget for it, right? Or they think it's it, it seems too um, indulgent, maybe. But you're but but I think it just falls right in line with that. Like, what is your relationship with yourself? Like, how do you talk to yourself? How do you you know? Are you taking a moment to like look inward and see what your own needs or wants or desires are? Um, and and you're right. It's with each one. It's a balance of like knowing what you need and want, but also not only caring about what you need and want. And same with like how you look at others. Like you said, the um, <clears throat> judgment can be superficial, but it's also like just human nature because it's very helpful um, and, and helps to keep you keep you safe and aware. And, and if you're not paying attention to that at all, it's not good. And um, yeah, I liked what you said too about the the others, and then if you're always just worried about others, then you're you're really just hurting yourself the whole time. Um, that that was a really good, a really a, a lengthy, but like you said, very good and robust summary. Um, so obviously we can't, you know, we need others to exist. We can't just exist on our own as much as. Um, movie and my movies might make us think you know what you wanted to think about what if it was just you in the world um even though it never is because there's always some other being out there <laughs> right yeah. um so and we know that social connection is you know super important for our physical health um and our well-being could you talk a little bit more about that like how you know what you've seen in in science and research of how that social connection can help or maybe even harm our physical or mental sure. well-being etc mm -hmm. yeah and that's a very good question there courtney this is going to be a little bit involved again yeah that's um, great we'll some really important stuff here i love covering this stuff it's very helpful information so i'm going to ask you a question again mm -hmm. um 
Uh, are you familiar with the sympathetic nervous system? Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Very good. Most people aren't. And most people are familiar with the fight or flight syndrome, but they're yeah. not familiar with the sympathetic nervous system. Now, we have two different types of nervous systems. We have sympathetic and parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. The sympathetic is the fight or flight. Uh, and the parasympathetic is about rest, recuperation, healing, digestion. Mm -hmm. um, now, when we are threatened, and that can be physically or psychologically, fear is related to imminent physical danger, um, whereas anxiety is related to psychological threats in my mind, and there's a lot of those in the man-made world. But um, stress, fear, anxiety, anger, and other things like loud noises trigger the sympathetic nervous system. And when that happens significantly, it takes a quarter of a second for something to be interpreted as a threat and a quarter of a second for the sympathetic nervous system to get triggered. And there's about 15 to 20 reactions that happen within the body instantly once that happens. So our blood vessels constrict, our blood pressure goes up, our heart rate increases, we do rapid shallow breathing, eyes dilate, we stop salivating, we start sweating, muscles tense for action, digestion shuts down. Um, we get adrenaline, which um, gives us extra energy and uh, overrides pain. Cortisol shuts down the immune system and growth processes. Um, you know, so really intense stuff happening there. Uh, we're so focused on the, uh, the threat, too. Uh, we're hyper-focused on whatever that threat seems to be. Um, now, this is to help us survive those, once again, threatening situations. Now, this is related to the older part of our brain, the lizard brain. Um, now, the... The hard part about this is the sympathetic nervous system is very tough on the body. So our body isn't designed to stay in that state very long. Um, it's only for emergency, emergency uses only. Um, now, if we realize that something isn't actually a threat, um, after about six seconds, our brain will start calming down and sympathetic nervous system will start settling back down to homeostasis because we want to get back there as soon as possible. Now, we have no conscious control over that sympathetic nervous system when it gets triggered, but we certainly do have conscious control over whether or not we're feeding into it. And with anxiety, a lot of people feed into it. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. What's the matter with me and why is all this happening? And that really stresses our body then. Once again, all those things that are happening, once again, the, the, the immune system being shut down, you know, the heart rate increasing, all of that contributes to these very tough um, physical outcomes where people develop heart conditions, um, ulcers, uh, migraines, etc. Um, and the other part of it too is we have to remember that um, socializing is very healthy for us, but loneliness is very is a very brutal experience for people. Um, that actually triggers the sympathetic nervous system too. Why? Because we know in the back of our mind that we cannot survive on our own. We need other people to survive. That is just a basic reality of life. And so if people are actually isolated, um, they can, uh, that can be as unhealthy for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So that's how directly correlated that can be. Um, and anxiety. Wow. Could you, I'm sorry, could you read? I interrupted you. You said an unhealthy relationship can be as hazardous to your body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Is that correct? Is that what I, you said? Um, I, I said being socially isolated socially can isolated. be as unhealthy as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that primal need to once again stay connected with other human beings, because once again, we can't survive in the world by ourselves. We mm -hmm. know that mm -hmm. on this more intuitive level, despite what we think on this more, once again, frontal lobe <laughs> yeah. level. Um, so, but anxiety would 
what this does too is it um, people fall into these very poor habits trying to cope with their anxieties which results in a lot of negative unhealthy compulsive behaviors such as overeating shopping substance abuse gambling all of these things not only compound the original problem but also lead to exacerbating health issues that we might already have such as diabetes or any kind of heart conditions etc so it's, we we know that we're just once again we're fully integrated creatures physically mentally emotionally socially yeah yeah wow that it's i mean it's it it makes sense of the 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 isolation it's just that's still like sticking out in my brain as how how much of an impact um that can have i wonder too well and not to i just want to pause there for a second and say that i think i'm sure most people can relate to that too in the matter of like if you think to a time when you had a social engagement um especially one that you were you know really enjoyed like spending time with a friend or a family member um afterwards you tend to just feel a lot better right a lot lighter maybe mm -hmm. even have more motivation to tackle you know projects that you had on your to-do list um and I'm, I'm guessing it's you know part of those like you said the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems being um stimulated accordingly um and also you know release of different hormones the the dopamine the serotonin um, that really help with that connection. Um, I wonder, I wonder too, based off of how you were talking about like the loneliness and just thinking about how um, people can feel lonely, even if they're surrounded by people all the time. Um, <clears throat> so I wonder, does the type of connection or the relationship or relationship quality make a difference on the impact that that social connection can have on your health? I mean, I'm guessing yes, just based on that loneliness piece alone, but could you talk about that a little bit? Sure, yeah, and, and of course the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, positive, respectful, honest, reciprocal relationships are good for people mm -hmm. um, in all those different ways that we already talked about. Well, problematic relationships can be very stressful and unhealthy in those ways. Unhealthy relationships can be an ongoing source of stress that can be severe. And chronic stress takes a toll on people's overall health. There's no doubt about it. There's tons of research about what constitutes a healthy relationship. But the, at the end of the day, we really need to ask ourselves, how do I feel when I'm around this person? Because our emotions and our intuition are usually very reliable guides about what constitutes a healthy versus unhealthy relationship. Now, family is no doubt important. But as adults, we get to decide which type of family or family members are most healthy for us. We have different kinds of family, so to speak. We have family of origin. We have our nuclear family. That's our wife and her kids. We're our chosen family. And um, you know, what is most important is how another person treats you. And unconditional regard, which is I care for you, for who you are, is the most healthy way to relate to another person. While conditional regard has stipulations attached, which is I care about what you can do for me, usually mm -hmm. on some level. Um, and this is... Uh, but we got to keep in mind that this is very different than boundary setting, which is making sure to properly care for ourselves by keeping selfish, thoughtful, selfish, thoughtless, or damaged people at arm's length. Um, now, there's also research too these days about, uh, well, attachment has been a lot more in the news these days. 
And uh, thankfully, a lot more people are aware of it. Attachment's a very important concept for everybody to be aware of. We have secure, anxious avoidant, and anxious avoidant attachment. And these can all cause, well, secure is healthy, but the other three versions uh, can cause real problems for us in adulthood. Um, temperament, while never caused that the um, cause of uh, problematic attachment can exacerbate attachment issues. So we have a lot of dynamics around there uh, in relation to these different kinds of relationships that we're going to have with people. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I wonder too, um, I, I mean, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking like, oh, that thing that you said about like, how, just think about like, how does being around that person make you feel? For people that that really flips a light, obviously, you know, it might be worth considering like seeking some counseling or therapy. Um, and in that might be with you, that might be with another Eversight provider, it might be EAP um, and, and working on those boundary things. But is there anything you have for, I guess, maybe even on a broader spectrum um, moving forward? If someone's like, you know what, I'm going to you know, this event on, you know, this, this week, and I'll be meeting new people. And maybe some of them might be people that I might want to be friends with. What are, are there any like basic tips for how to foster healthy relationships for if you are meeting new people that could be friends or like going to a new workplace, etc.? Yeah. And I would always start with um, know yourself, understand your personality, which consists of temperament and character slash values, um, so that you can have better clarity about what your wants, needs, and preferences are. Um, cluing into other people in a likewise manner, this is called social intelligence. And then we also have emotional intelligence, which is being in tune with one's own emotions and being able to manage them the majority of the time. Um, using our strengths, talents, character, uh, passions to build a healthy lifestyle for ourselves um, so that we can feel fulfilled. Fulfilled people are more content and tend to be more kind and thoughtful and reciprocal. Um, and you know, um, you know, taking an interest in other people, um, being, being good at asking questions. That, that's a very important life skill. Not a lot of people think of asking questions as being a life skill, but man, is it ever a really big one. And I promote it a lot with my patients. Um, as a therapist, I certainly need to uh, be <laughs> well versed in how to ask questions. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's some really important do's and don'ts about you know how we talk to people, and uh, you know I work with people a lot of times on communication skills too. Um, now I separate these actually down into different ones. So I have social skills, communication skills, self advocacy skills, and then conflict resolution. So um, I like to break them down into those categories because it helps people be able to define them easier in their own mind, what is what and how am I approaching this situation versus this other situation. Context counts a lot. Yeah, well, that's those, uh, I mean, that that definitely makes sense to, to have them kind of separated. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit of any of those? Like, what are some common things that you share with people for each of those categories? Sure. Um, well, I statements are always great to use, you know, as oh, opposed right. to a you statement. Yeah. I think, I feel, I believe, and I include I remember because I remember it's fallible and we don't want to state something, it's just a fact. Yeah. Um, a you starts off the statement, it's like a big old finger point right at somebody. There's an indictment tone to it, you know? You, okay, uh-oh, you know, or look here, 
better be careful starting all of a sudden I'm preaching to you, you know, yeah. or I'm school alarming you. That's not necessarily a good look. Um, categorical language too, stating things in absolutes. You never do this. You mm -hmm. always do this. That's rarely ever going to be the case. And when you're doing that, you're not talking about somebody's behavior at that point. You're talking about their character, right. which is very different. Um, so, you know, you never take out the garbage. Okay. The subtext of that is you're a lazy slob, <laughs> yeah. you know, and people are going to take that very hard and they're, they're going to, they're going to defend themselves and, you know, in all likelihood, rightfully so, because, mm -hmm. you know, they've probably taken out the garbage at least once or twice. Yeah. So we got to be careful about that language. Um, another big one that I recommend is don't use words like dumb and stupid. They're, they're very insulting to people. People are going to get very defensive very quickly. And once again, rightfully so. So there's a lot of straightforward do's and don'ts. There's a whole bunch more that we could go into. Yeah, I'm um, sure. But you know, th those are just three straightforward ones that I work with people on that, that do make a big difference right away for them. Absolutely. Well, and like you said, communication is, is so important. And you know, a lot of times, it's not just about you and how you're perceiving the situation, but also how your words are fostering the situation. So the way you communicate can really change the way someone else is um, react, traditionally reacting to the things you say. I think that's really, um, you know, a place where it, it's undervalued, uh, but we really should be doing more focus there. Yeah, and, and some research has said that communication is actually 55% body language, 38% tone, pitch, volume, and cadence of your voice. So that means the words count 7%. I don't know about that. There's some debate about that. But it does go to show, once again, the body language is certainly important. If we're mm -hmm. leaning forward, that's an aggressive stance. You know, mm -hmm. if we're chopping the air with our hands, that's aggressive. Um, when I, in the past, or even these days, when I talk to somebody about something really important, what I do is I slow down mm -hmm. and I soften my voice a lot so that I can, you know, once again, this is the softball underhand pitch. Hey, can I talk to you about this? Yeah. You know, that's going to lower their defense, defensive stance, you know, because otherwise, once again, people, hey, I need to talk to you about this. You know, mm -hmm. I got a little bit of an edge in my voice. I'm coming at them stronger. You know, they're going to, oh, it's going to perk up right away. They're going to be on, on the edge right away. You know, that, that, that's not a great way to start a conversation, especially about something that's really important. Yeah, no, that's a really good point of like, and it probably helps you too, as like, if you're bringing up a subject that is maybe going to be testy on both sides, it, it helps you to like calm down your own systems to not go in with a, an attack um, and guarantee a, kind of a fight back. Um, and I, I do want to ask you another question based on something you had said before, and this isn't, uh, it, you might not be prepared for this, so if you're not, that's okay. But I'm wondering if you could share with us for listeners that are are listening to this and they're thinking about connections, they have, you know, family that um, maybe they're obligated to spend time with or see, right? Uh, and I know the holidays are coming up, so there's going to be a lot of that coming our way soon. But um, but maybe those those connections are are difficult. And you had talked about boundaries. Um, are there any just like basic tips that you like to share for ways that people can set or create boundaries to help in those situations? Does that make sense? 
Yes, of course. And whenever I talk to my patients about setting boundaries, I always say, you know what, it starts with you first. Right. Um, you know, what are, what are your boundaries? Are they clearly defined in your own mind? If they're not, then you really got to work on that first. You know, what do I consider healthy versus unhealthy? You know, and with um, the current state of our country, um, you know, we've got this cultural civil war going on, you know, we're on one side or the other generally, um, and we have to make a decision about once again, okay, am I going to, you know, engage in some kind of political talk with somebody mm-hmm. here who I know is on the other side of that fence? But for me, I don't. Um, I have a brother-in-law, we get along really great, we can talk about so many different things. We're on the opposite ends politically, and we just don't bring it up. And, um, you know, if, if somebody brings it up, I leave the room because I'm like, I'm not going to participate in that right now. I'm going to go hang out and do something else. Um, I want to find ways to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can connect with anybody somehow, some way, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's talking about their dog, asking them questions about their dog, you know, things that they're interested in. That's a great way to once again get a conversation going, you know, steering that conversation to these healthy topics, you know. I'd much rather talk football with my brother-in-law any day, and we can do that, you know, yeah. than talk about politics, because that neither one of us are going to change our mind at this point in time, and that's just all there is to it. So having realistic expectations, that's a big part of this, too, though. Um, and, you know, and I've been sticking with this. I mean, we, we've we've been around each other for, oof, closing in on, <laughs> closing in on 30 years now. <laughs> and, you know, we, we have a lot of very interesting conversations. We can talk a lot about very meaningful stuff, and it goes well most of the time. So mm-hmm. that's the main thing, you know. Um, know, know the know the mind, the um, the landscape, and be aware of the minefield. <laughs> be, be 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 very cautious about ten walking into that minefield because I things may not go well. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So that's that's a really good. Those are some really good tips. I love that about like you said, like set expectations, know that part of boundaries, like it starts with you, right? The individual to to play those boundaries and also kind of knowing the, the, the layout, right? The minefield, as you said, and, and where where the things are going to be that might cause, um, stir up some feel, you know, uncomfortable feelings. Um, what about, I mean, what would you say if like with the politics, for example, if you don't like to talk about politics and you avoid bringing up politics, you know, when you're around certain people who you know are going to be the other side of the fence and might say something that makes you irritated. So what if they bring up the politics? Are there any tips you have for like shifting the conversation or? Sure. Yeah. And that, you know, we, we always want to have some kind of nice easy phrases to remember in our back pocket for these situations, you know, it's helpful to write them down and to practice them a couple of times just to be, you know, once again, that that helps us have them at hand when we need them, as opposed to in the moment trying to think of something, oh my goodness, what do I say here? Uh, you know, you get the brain freeze. And um, so sometimes you can just say like very general stuff like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I never thought of that, you know? And leave it alone. Don't further the conversation anywhere yeah. else. Or, or if, or if people persist along those lines, then we can just, you know, we, we, we can raise it up a little bit in terms of like, I'm not interested in talking about that right now. Um, you know, or I'd rather talk about this topic. Or, or once again, we can steer that conversation by asking them a, a question that just takes it in a totally different way. Um, 
if people persist and they start becoming more assertive or aggressive in their tone or things like that, just say, uh, it was nice chatting with you. I'm going to head back to the buffet and pick up another round of food. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Just to once again, shut down that process. Right. Get that. Well, and I think that's a good point too, of like leaving the situation if you need to, um, but keeping you know, sometimes people, I think with that, they're trying to like, they're poking the bear, right? They're trying to get a rise oh, yeah. out of you. And if you, if you aren't going to give them the rise, then they give up because it's not fun anymore. And I'm yeah. not saying that all political conversations are to poke the bear, but um, <laughs> sometimes in family dynamics, that's what that becomes about <laughs> more so than, yeah. than actual, like trying to change someone's belief on but those are those are good strategies. Thank you. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and I know I'm sure we could keep talking forever about this this little sidestep on boundaries. We could probably do a whole podcast on boundary setting alone, and maybe we'll have to table that for a future one. Um, sure. But uh, again, thinking of you know we we're recording this in October, um, and it's going to be the holiday season season is soon upon us. So we have lots of social engagements coming up. Um, are there things that we should keep in mind? Again, I don't know how to say this without making it sound selfish, but thinking of how beneficial social engagements and that social connection is for us, are there things that we should keep in mind in order to reap the benefits? <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, there, there are always um, things to keep in mind. So um, I'll, I will go back to this one probably several times uh, sure. in, in, in our conversation. Here is be true to yourself. Um, you know, some people are more introverted, while other people are more extroverted. Excuse me. Um, some people are more introverted, while other people are more extroverted. And um, so research shows that about 15% of people are true introverts and 15% are true extroverts. And the rest are mixed in the middle there, which is actually called an ambivert. You yeah. have extrovert and introvert qualities. Um, and so like some people like to have lots of friend groups. That's my wife and my older son. While some people prefer to have more intimate social outings with just a few close friends, that tends to be more me. Mm -hmm. um, then there's activities. So some people like to be more active, sports oriented, other people to be enjoy more artistic, cultural things, museums, plays, live music. Um, when I was in grad school, I loved it because I had my academic pals, I had my hiking and biking buddies, and then I had some guys who I shot pool and drank a few beers with, you know? Sure. And it was a really nice, well-rounded range of social activities for me. And I like to mix it up a bit. And so for me, that was really great. Um, lastly on this one too, we have to remember, some people have sensory sensitivities and need to plan accordingly. So like for me, I have very sensitive hearing. And so, you know, I, I don't mind going to concerts. I wear earplugs, <laughs> um, but you know, other kind of places, loud shrieking noises, that, that's gonna be a problem for me generally. But also to go in the mall. I, I can stand the mall for about 30 minutes and then I've got to get out of there generally. And I don't know whether that was, uh, is because of its artificialness or because I worked in one for years, but that's what I know about myself and other people um, have sensory issues too. And we're not always uh, keeping those in consideration. Uh, I work with parents a fair amount and stuff like this sometimes because they're, they're, once again, kids can have sensory issues in terms of visual stuff, auditory, um, taste, um, tactile. So um, we can cover all, all different senses there. Yeah. Wow. That's big. And I think, um, okay, so it's important to know yourself 
and and know how you thrive best in those environments and creating your social connections around that. I think too, you just made me think of how, um, you know, if you have a partner or I guess even the friend that you're meeting or, you know, whoever you're meeting for that, um, it's helpful to understand what type of person they are, I think, you know, for, for uh, my husband, for example, you know, he, he might feel differently about social situations than I do. And I've learned in the years of marriage that I need to take his feelings into account too, because while I might be looking forward to doing things a certain way, um, he might need more time to just like have downtime and alone time. And um, I think that's important too for that human connection to be considered of of other people's needs as well. Yeah, that that, that is very important. There's a really great quote that I came across um, just last year. It says, we have to teach people how to treat us. Yeah, I love that quote, you know, and yeah, but we we need to be vocal about these types of things. Uh, We don't have to be demanding about them, but we just gently remind people, oh, you know, yeah, I could probably handle about 30 minutes of that, you know, Mm -hmm. like for me going to the mall, you know, just to not be willing to stretch that. I don't want everybody to like go just according to my needs, you know, but I could certainly say, yeah, I could probably handle 45 minutes. Yeah, let's sit, let's, when we, when we go for that. Right. Well, and you're right. It's important to part, like to be able to do that, you have to be aware of your own self and your own needs. And then so that you know where you stand and then being able to communicate that out to the other people in your life so that you're not becoming that like always in always, always social, but never feeling fulfilled from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. we definitely want to get important things out of our time with other people. So right. What about um, virtual connection? You know, we live in a world now where um, there's so many virtual connection opportunities. Um, and how is that different from in-person, in-person connection, or is it? Sure, yeah, no, there's so many different ways to connect with people these days in person, phone, video, email, social media, one-on-one groups, through so many different activities. It's really one of the best parts about being alive these days, and I, I try to take advantage of all of them. At the same time, there's pros and cons depending on each circumstances, and it's important to consider those circumstances. Certainly, if my mom is just out of the hospital, I don't want to just call her and say, Glad you busted out, peace, you know, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I mean, you know, that, that's just not going to work for my mom, you know, maybe for one of my friends, you know. But uh, so I definitely want to be, you know, doing an in person visit with my mom. And, and I certainly don't want to be posting pictures of getting my warts removed on Facebook or something <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, the variety of uh, formats also doesn't make meaningful connection easy. Technology is just a tool. Mm-hmm. Many people find it challenging to make connections, especially as adults. Which is why we have that old joke. Nobody talks about the miracle of Jesus having twelve close friends in his thirties. <laughs> um, so <That's> <laughs> I like that joke. That's yeah. a fun one. So. Yeah. Now there, there are tons and tons of articles out there these days talking about social connection and how important it is. I mean the you know, COVID really stressed how important our connections are with one another. I mean, everybody got punished through that experience and so many people value their social connections so much more because of it um 
you know, just looking through the, um, I did a web search real quick and it was like, don't be shy in the benefits of talking to strangers, you know, what is it about friendships that are so powerful and an overlooked cure for loneliness. Science tells us the solution may lie in what we do for others, not ourselves. So there's so much information out there and being able to once again, read up on that kind of stuff and become more informed and, and practice some of these very healthy things. Um, and then lastly, there's a really great website. I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's called Meetup. And um, oh, here yeah. in Milwaukee, we got yeah. Milwaukee, and they have all these different groups that you can join online in person. Um, there's a hiking one. There's a free thinking one. There's mm -hmm. uh, a writing one. Those are three that I signed up for. Yeah. And I don't always participate in them, but but I I, I participated a fair amount, and they've really been very helpful. So. Um, you know, there, there's so much possibility these days in terms of how to connect with other people. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So virtual can be a good way to get your connection if you use it the right way in the, with the right, in the right relationship, I guess. So yeah. Like I mean, being, meeting with people in person is really important though, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. the, the virtual stuff, there is still a little bit of a disconnect. Right. There's no and, touch. You know, so we, we can't. We can't read body, people's body language fully. No. Um, you know, sometimes the, their tone might come across in a little bit of the wrong way. Texting too, texting and emails. We'll be careful mm -hmm. um, because you know if we're not careful about how we're how we're setting the tone, um, it can come across in the wrong way. People can get very offended very easily. I had a had a big blow up. Well, not a big blow up, but I had a blow up with somebody on Facebook. I just made this general comment, and they wow, did they take it the wrong way? And holy cow! Sure. Came out with the claws and everything. It's like woof. Yeah. I didn't think that that, that could happen in these circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So so in person is is the best uh, the best way to get your connection, but oh, you yeah. can use technology yeah. in the interim sort of thing. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a good friend down in Texas. I mean, I haven't seen him in five or six years now. And, we talk on the phone all the time we're still very connected you know yeah. it's still very meaningful to, to be able to reach out and connect with them on the phone so yeah absolutely good i love that um well this has been very helpful um and i know you have uh the well-being webinar for uh, uh Everside coming up here um for the the community is on Thursday, October 13th. That is at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern. And I will have the link uh, to register for that in the show notes, as well as um, it'll link to the recording afterwards. So people can dive in deeper with you there. Um, but is there anything else that uh, you wanted to share today that we didn't quite touch on? Um, well, yeah, no, I think, I think there's one other thing that's, you know, a way to maximize connection when it is virtual. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, I've worked predominantly virtually for the last two and a half years and I've found it still comes down to the basics. Um, you know, first is don't have a bunch of distractions sitting around, you know, I mean, people with ADHD might need a little fidget or something to help mm -hmm. them stay focused, but sure. most of us, you know, we, we want to be distraction free. Um, have a clear sense of why you're meeting. You know, is it personal or professional? Am I addressing a concern or is this a free form conversation or just checking in? Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to a problem or a potential problem, I want to start with, you know, is this regarding me, you, or us? Or is it about somebody else or is it some undefined problem that we should be exploring? You know, mm -hmm. um, then there's the is it a big deal, medium deal, small deal? Um, and so that we can match our match it with an appropriate manner. Um, really listening, this cannot be overstated. Um, actually respond to act, 
excuse me, actively respond to somebody. Wow, that's great you got a raise. Oh, so sorry to hear your grandma's ill. Uh, that sounds like a great idea. Um, being more animated helps project the tone of our response better. If people have trouble projecting appropriately, which can be a temperament or anxiety issue, I would recommend taking an acting class or two, uh, which I've done and I actually found that to be very helpful. Oh, interesting. Um, lastly, end on a positive. Um, how we begin things sets the tone, but how we end things matters a lot, especially yeah. in terms of how things are going to play out next time. It sets the tone in advance for the next interaction. We have to remember our brains are just association machines. Um, and so on that note, I would like to thank you for having me on your podcast today, which was my very first time being on a podcast today. Oh, wow. <laughs> you are certainly welcome. I'm thankful that you were able to jump on with us and you sound like you're a professional podcaster. So. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much. Corey. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks so much. And thanks for all your insights. And um, I look forward to tuning in to the Wellbeing webinar as well. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. Great. Thanks, Trevor. I'm so glad we got to talk about wellness today, Tasha. And thanks to our audience for joining us. If you have any questions from today's episode or a myth you'd like us to bust, send us an email. For our Wellness Center participants, if you'd like to dive in deeper on anything we discussed today, give us a call or an email and we'll schedule a coaching appointment. Everyone can find us on YouTube and Facebook at Waukesha Employee Health and Wellness. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from so you never miss an episode. Join us on the first Tuesday of every month for Taco Tuesday. Until then, bye everyone.